Section 11 of Sir Francis Drake by Julian Corbett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 6. Waking the South Sea. Lord Burley's scheme had failed, and Drake was knocking at the Golden Gates. In the teeth of the astutest ministers of the time, he was about to blow the blast before which the giant's doors would fly open, and deliberately to goad the giant into open fight. Full of the momentous meaning of his resolve, he paused upon the threshold to do honour to the mistress whose favour he wore. Before the frowning entry he caused his fleet, in homage of their sovereign lady, to strike their topsails upon the bunt as a token of his willing and glad mind, and to show his dutiful obedience to her highness. It was a piece of true Elizabethan chivalry, and like a true Elizabethan knight, he accompanied it with a shrewd stroke of policy. Sir Christopher Hatton had now no visible connection with the venture. The vessel named after him had been broken up, and his representative had been beheaded. Drake knew well how flat fell prowess at the fairy queen's court if a man had not a friend at her ear. He knew, too, that no reputation was so fashionable just then as that of a patron of discoveries. Nor could he be ignorant that all the new favourite's goodwill would be required to save him from Burley's power. So, on the poop of the little flagship was placed the crest of the captain of the guard, and in his honour the pelican became the golden hind. So protected, Drake boldly entered the straits. Then from the towering snow cones and threatening glaciers that guarded the entry, the tempests swept down upon the daring intruders. Out of the tortuous gulfs that through the bowels of the fabulous austral continent seemed to lead beyond the confines of the world, rude squalls buffeted them this way and that, and currents, the like of which no man had seen, made as though they would dash them to pieces in the fathomless depths where no cable could reach fires lit by the natives on the desolate shores as the strangers struggled by added the terrors of unknown magic but drake's fortitude and consummate seamanship triumphed over all and in a fortnight he brought his ill-sailing ships in triumph out upon the pacific then as though maddened to see how the adventurers had braved every effort to destroy them the whole fury of the fiends that guarded the south sea slumber rushed howling upon them hardly had the squadron turned northward than a terrific gale struck it and hurled it back the sky was darkened and the bowels of the earth seemed to have burst and for nearly two months they were driven under bare poles to and fro without rest in latitudes where no ship had ever sailed on the maps the great austral continent was marked but they found in its place an enchanted void where wind and water and ice and darkness seemed to make incessant war after three weeks strife the marigold went down with all hands and in another week winter lost heart and finding himself at the mouth of the straits went home in despair while the golden hind ignorant of the desertion was swept once more to the south of cape horn here on the fifty-third day of its fury the storm ceased exhausted and drake found himself alone but it was no moment to repine for he knew he had made a discovery so brilliant 
as to deprive even magellan's of its radiance he was anchored among islands southward of anything known to geographers and before him the atlantic and pacific rolled together in one great flood in his exultation he landed on the farthest island and walking alone with his instruments to its end he laid himself down and with his arms embraced the southernmost point of the known world the spell seemed broken as when the hero blows the magic trumpet the dreaded bulwarks had fallen the brazen gates of the castle had disappeared and in their place stretched a broad and smiling way into the golden garden the very forces of nature that had seemed a part of the enchantment ceased their struggle to stop the man that made such light of their terrors and let him go in triumph on his path of plunder up the slumbering coast of chile about a month later little dreaming of what had taken place the crew of the grand captain of the south were lazily waning in valparaiso harbour for a wind to carry them to panama with their cargo of gold and chile wine as they lounged over the bulwarks a sail appeared to the northward and they made ready a pipe of wine to have a merry night with the newcomers as the stranger anchored they beat her a welcome of their drum and then watched her boat come alongside in a moment all was confusion a rough old salt was laying about him with his fists shouting in broken spanish down dog down and the astounded spaniards were soon tight under hatches it was tom moon at his work hither the golden hind had been piloted by a friendly indian in its search for provisions and loot the little settlement was quickly plundered of all it had worth taking and drake's mariners who for months had been living on salted penguin and many of whom were suffering from wounds received in an encounter with the islanders of mocha were revelling in all the dainties of the chilean paradise for three days the mysterious ship which seemed to have dropped from the skies lay in the harbour collecting provisions and then laden with victuals it sailed away northward with its prize drake's great anxiety now was to rendezvous his scattered fleet for the sack of lima and panama and assured that winter must be ahead he fully expected to meet him in thirty degrees south latitude the point agreed upon after an ineffectual attempt to water at coquimbo where he found the spaniards in arms he discovered a natural harbour a little to the north of it which suited his purpose in a month his preparations were complete the men were thoroughly refreshed a pinnace had been set up the golden hind refitted from stem to stern and under the guidance of the pilot of the grand captain he set out to realise the dream of his life every one except perhaps poor john doughty was in the highest spirits the return of health and the glorious climate made them reckless of the dangers of their single-handed attempt still they trusted to find the elizabeth and as they searched the coast for water with the pinnace they never lost hope of hearing of her fresh plunder constantly compensated for their continued disappointment at one point on the coast of tarapaca they found a spaniard asleep with thirteen bars of silver beside him they apologized profusely for disturbing his nap and politely insisted on making amends by relieving him of his burden farther on they met another driving a train of guanacos laden with some eight hundred pounds of silver and expressing themselves shocked to see a gentleman turned carrier they took his place but somehow as they afterwards said they lost the way to his house and found themselves suddenly just where they had left the pinnace 
so they romped along that peaceful coast startling its luxurious slumbers with shouts of reckless laughter till they came to arica the frontier town of peru and the point where the fabulous wealth of the potosi mines was embarked for panama it was a place important enough to have tempted the elizabeth from her tryst but not only was no trace of her to be found but so hot was the alarm in front of drake that two small treasure barks were all there was in the harbour to plunder and the town was in arms a few hours ago a galleon had escaped northward laden with eight hundred bars of silver all belonging to the king of spain and fuming to so narrowly miss his revenge drake at once resolved to give chase without further care for his consort or any attempt on the town he hurried on with his pinnace and the valparaiso prize till at chuli the port of arequipa they saw the chase at anchor her capture was without a blow for not a man was found aboard her nor a bar of silver either two hours ago the whole of it had been heaved overboard to save it from drake's hands and in a fury of disappointment he at once set both the slow sailing prizes adrift out into the ocean for he was resolved by a dash on lima to outstrip his notoriety at all costs and so once more the golden hind and its pinnace spread their wings northward alone it was on february fifteenth fifteen seventy nine that in the dead of night they quietly entered callao de lima the harbour was full of shipping and the pilot whom drake had seized from a vessel outside was made to take him right in among them a ship from panama was entering at the same time and as they anchored side by side a custom-house boat at once put off and hailed them not content to wait till the morning a sleepy officer boarded the golden hind and before he knew where he was he tumbled right on top of a big gun frightened to death he was over the side again in a moment and his boat dashed away crying the alarm the ship of panama cut her cables and drake slipped into the pinnace to take her but as she showed fight he left her for the present and turned to ransack the defenceless shipping that lay around him from ship to ship he went but not an ounce of treasure could he find it was all ashore except a vast quantity which had recently been shipped for panama in a large vessel called our lady of the conception and nicknamed the spitfire that was enough for him he returned to the golden hind left his anchorage and as he drifted out in the calm which had fallen he captured the ship of panama but then ensued a delay both exasperating and dangerous for three days there was not a breath of wind and the viceroy of peru marching down from lima with two thousand troops sent out four vessels to capture or burn the rover as he lay becalmed all was in vain ere they found heart to close with the terrible stranger the breeze sprang up and away he went in hot pursuit of the treasure-ship it had fourteen days start of him but he did not despair and while the viceroy was solemnly casting guns to arm vessels to pursue him drake was ransacking ship after ship for treasure and news of the chase she had stopped at truxillo to load more bullion and each prize told him he was overhauling her at paita he learned that she had sailed but two days before the scent was now hot indeed exasperated to miss his prey so narrowly the admiral promised a golden chain to the man who first sighted her 
and swore she should be his though he tore her from her moorings at panama itself across the line they raced and still no sight of her till on march first off cape san francisco young john drake his page and nephew claimed the reward fearful of alarming his quarry drake at last ordered casks to be trailed astern and so managed to keep hull down till nightfall then the golden hind was slipped and in one bound rushed alongside her prey a single shot brought her to reason and then laid side by side the two ships ran westwards for three days into the silent wastes of the pacific for three days more they lay together and when they parted there were added to drake's treasure thirteen chests of pieces of eight eighty pounds weight of gold jewels untold and the golden hind was literally ballasted with silver so huge was the booty that the only thought was home to attempt panama single-handed would in any case have been madness and drake resolved to return but not by the way he came the great discoveries he had already made did not satisfy his greed for renown he had swept one whole continent from the globe by his survey of the coast of chile he had for the first time determined the shape of another and now he was minded to settle forever the question of the northwest passage from the atlantic his rivals were seeking the fabulous strait of anian and by that channel if it existed he determined to find his way home his daring resolve completely outwitted the spaniards the viceroy of peru sent his most brilliant officer don pedro sarmiente de gamboa in pursuit he sought the rover toward panama but he was not there still ignorant that it was not the only passage between the two oceans he turned to bar the way at the straits of magellan and drake was not there but far away in his palace at mexico don martin enriquez the perjured viceroy who eleven years ago had broken his word at veracruz had news in plenty mocking greetings from his unknown enemy disturbed his ease and he had to read news from the nicaragua coast that sorted ill with a quiet siesta there a corsair the like of whom no man had seen had been at work his prisoners had found him surrounded by a council of the younger sons of the first men in england who always approached him hat in hand and stood in his presence he dined in state to the sound of violins and his crew whose discipline filled the spaniards with amazement adored him he was a martinet and took no man's advice but he heard all alike and had no favourite he had artificers of every kind and at the island of cagno had just careened and refitted his ship god and his saints only knew for what fresh depredations he had cartographers who were making charts of the coast as he went so that whole fleets might follow in his track and as for catching him so well armed and so fast was his ship that that was out of the question the whole coast of new spain was in a fever of alarm for they knew it was the same drake the cousin of aquinas who five years ago had raided nombre de dios the bishop of guatemala began melting his chimes into guns ships were fitted out and troops moved up and down in a month they expected to be ready to take the sea but in a week drake had done his work swooping on the port of huatulco he had found the court sitting carried off all the judges bodily to his ship and then made them send an order for every man to leave the town 
this done he revictualled at his ease from the spanish storehouses and next day he was away once more he had less idea of staying than ever for lurking off the coast of nicaragua on the track of the china trade he had made a capture of greater value than all his treasure it was a vessel on which were sailing two china pilots and now snug in the cabin of spain's arch-enemy were the whole of the secret charts by which was conducted the rich spanish trade across the pacific for spain it was a disaster of which no man could see the end and hugging his inestimable treasures drake sped northward to find his way back into the atlantic by the first week in june he had reached close hauled on the northeast trade as high as the latitude of cape mendocino but here he was suddenly caught in a storm of extraordinary severity his rigging was frozen his crew were half paralyzed still he struggled on firing his men with his own hot courage in two days more he reached the latitude of vancouver and there he gave up the struggle the land still trended westward the weather grew more and more severe and he made up his mind that if the passage existed it was impracticable so the great resolve was taken and running south to find a port to prepare the golden hind for her tremendous effort he put into a natural harbour near san francisco where the cliffs were white like those at home and the soil was teeming with gold as fort and dockyard rose by their lonely shores the indians gathered in wonder and would have worshipped the strangers as beings from a better land the horrified puritans protested as kindly as they might and when persuaded drake was human the simple savages crowned him in his mistress's name king of new albion so at least the old navigators understood the strange ceremonies with which the month of their stay was occupied and the loud lamentations of their friends when they departed filled their imaginations with visions of an empire of englishmen hardly less grand than the great reality it was on july twenty fifth that with a boldness we can hardly realize the course was laid direct for the moluccas their instruments for finding latitude were far from perfect longitude it was practically impossible for them to determine at all their logs were so distrusted that as a rule they preferred to guess the runs and the variation of the compass was ascertained with childish crudeness yet drake did not even condescend to follow the beaten track of the spaniards along the ninth parallel but straight across the pacific from where he was to where he wished to be he pushed his way as it were by inspiration for sixty-eight days they had no sight of land by the end of september they found themselves close to the equator and turning to the northward to avoid the countercurrent on the last day of the month they ran in amongst the carolines the rest is long to tell how getting clear of the pilfering natives drake made the philippines and coasting along them ran from the southern point of mindanao through the talautse group and past togolando to the moluccas how at ternate he made an exclusive commercial treaty with the king which for a century afterwards was the sheet-anchor of our diplomatists in their quarrels with the dutch and portuguese about the east indian trade how he careened again at an island near the greyhound strait and then after trying to beat northward into the macassar channel turned back to pass southward and was at once entangled in the reef-encumbered seas that washed the eastern coasts of Celebes, and how after escaping a thousand dangers in the first days of the year fifteen eighty 
as they were sailing along the coast of Paling Island with a fine topsail breeze, they ran full tilt on a reef. There for twenty hours they lay at the mercy of God. All around was deep sea, where no hold could be got for warping. Every shift was tried, but not an inch would the treasure-laden vessel stir, and death only grew more real before them. Hopeless and exhausted, they desisted from their efforts, and in solemn preparation for the end took the sacrament together. Then, in the good old Puritan fashion to aid the Lord, Drake made jettison of guns and spices worth their weight in silver, till, lo, in the midst of their pious labor, the wind changed, and like the breath of the Saviour in answer to their prayers, gently slid them from the rock. It was the gravest danger of all their voyage, and for nearly two months more as they groped their way about the florist sea and struggled with baffling gales, they hourly expected its recurrence. But every peril was overcome at last, and in March they were well clear of the archipelago, and with thankful hearts refitting, cleaning, and victualling in the southern port of Java. So the great exploit was accomplished, and the prayer uttered so devoutly six years ago upon the giant tree in Darien was more than fulfilled. God had given his supplicant life and leave to sail the South Sea in an English ship, and he had sailed it from side to side. Its secret was England's at last, and laden with its wealth, in two months more the triumphant explorer was ploughing his homeward way toward the Cape of Good Hope. End of section 11